Okay, we're recording. Well, we... Sorry, I was reading. Oh, I see. Well, we missed uh, Thanksgiving week. I think everybody was busy. You know, Derek was traveling and uh, got caught up in the wonderful drivers we have in this country, and I think it added a few hours to his drive. I got lucky, no accidents or hiccups and such. I had pretty good travels, and... Um, Will might still be traveling. I don't know. He's unable to make it tonight. So he's lost in his own world. Most likely, you know. And and even I went back to Central Illinois like I usually do, and Southern Indiana, and that. And I drove by the uh, little classic car place in Staunton, and unfortunately, like normal, got there about five fifteen, so they were closed. And being November and the wonderful, I'm a very pro, you know, daylight savings time. I don't like the standard time. So dark at 515. So couldn't even see the cars as we drove by. So I'm kind of upset there. I discovered last night, kind of have a desire to test drive a Cadillac ELR, which is really impossible to find. And we found out we drove within like five miles of one twice on our uh, road trip uh, and uh, probably should have stopped and looked at that because the next closest one to Birmingham is like 132, 133 miles away. And that might be my Saturday activity. Anything exciting going on for you at uh, Derek or um, any comments Boy. about your drive? I know I think both of us drove north and got into a lot of rain and realized nobody can still drive in the rain. The redeeming factor for me is, at least in Illinois and Indiana and Kentucky, they don't drive with their dang flashers on because it's raining. Hey, you know, (laughs) I turn my flashers on. It lets you know it's raining. I know it's raining, and your flashers are a distraction. But how was yours? How do you really feel about it, John? Well, we'll get into one of these episodes where we sort of complain about um, annoying drivers and Flashers on in the rain while you're moving, that's a nada. Well, not a lot of uh, excitement, I guess, in my world right now. Uh, Yes, traveled uh, back to Ohio to the in-laws for Thanksgiving, so did a lot of driving. Actually mixed um, vacation with work. I actually... uh, took the work truck and trailer with me to pick up a car that was being donated that was about 45 minutes from my in-law's house, so might as well just bundle the trip and uh, pick that up along the way. So, of course, having a a truck and trailer rig uh, adds to the driving experience. But yes, on the travels back, which is about, a, let's say, if, if you're nor- driving it normally in good weather, eight and a half hour drive turned into over a 13 hour drive. Um, special thanks to, uh, you know, holiday traffic in general uh, around the Columbus area, um, college kids going back to some some school that's there in, in Columbus. I I don't know. I think it's some little school that nobody cares about. And uh, and then a lot of accidents due to rain that were kind of just people not knowing how to drive. Probably those people that had their four ways on. Um, it was probably their fault. That's my guess. So, it always you is. know, it was 
Yeah, a lot, a lot of time in vehicle, uh, in a vehicle driving around though, and actually got to go to a uh, where I had to pick up the Corvette that was being donated is actually a a, a classic car uh, kind of showroom dealership up in Ohio. So, and they were actually having an open house the day I was there picking it up. So, got to kind of look at all the cars that were there. There were some a couple really really cool. Uh, neat cars uh, there that I got a chance to see that, you know, you're not, not going to see just out and about somewhere else. Uh, uh, probably one of my favorites, there was a, a 1932 V16 Marmon. Of course, Marmons are, uh, hold a special place, uh, for me. Uh, I think everybody has heard me talk about the fact that my dad and I have a couple of those in our, our collection, but this is a, a V16 Marmon. It was actually ordered by uh, uh, Rockefeller for his youngest daughter. So it's a, a custom-bodied, um, you know, custom-bodied. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm trying to think. But I'm blanking on the uh, term I'm looking for here all of a sudden. Uh, but it's a, a custom-bodied. Uh, kind of uh, not really touring car. It could kind of, it, it basically has a non-removable California uh, top, which for those who don't know what a California top is, it, it appears to be a convertible top, but it's actually not. It doesn't fold down. It doesn't remove from the car. It was more of a, a styling aesthetic at the time. And uh, so really kind of a, a cool car with some great history and, uh, I'd never seen it in person before, so I had a chance to see it while I was there. And I just had a good time looking at cars while I was there, so that was a little bit of a, a bonus to the trip. Now, I always think when you can find a decent car or a fun car to look at, of course, that always makes all of our trips. I think our listeners will agree. Yeah, except for when you realize it's the you know one of those cars you just can't afford because you evidently didn't make the right choices in life. Uh, that pretty much goes for just about everything, including those cars on um, Facebook Marketplace for me. Uh, some of those are getting a little ridiculous, aren't they? Well, I'll be, you know, we've had the conversations on here. I'm kind of trying to downsize and buy something less expensive. And watching the cars on there, it's just ridiculous. Um, you know, you're seeing stuff that's, Five grand, six grand, ten grand. It seems ten thousand, twelve thousand dollars will buy you a hundred and twenty or a hundred and forty thousand miles. Something, you know, buy a caravan with a hundred and forty thousand miles on it for thirteen thousand dollars. Now, my what I what I do then is go. Okay, I'll buy that. What kind of life expectancy, whatever? Or, you know what? There's no six thousand dollar. 200,000-mile caravans. There's no 2,000-dollar, 200,000-mile caravans. So I guess I spend twelve grand, buy this 130,000-mile caravan, and assume it's going to last me two or three years before I send it to the scrappers. That's you know, That just drives me nuts that, you know, I guess $10,000 is disposable now, and I guess it's not a lot of money in the whole scheme of things, but you know what? It still a load of money <laughs> so there there another rant i guess it's the night of john rant or tirades or whatever you know it's just been an unbelievably busy 
couple of weeks for me. The vacation was forced on me, the travel to go see the family and that. The fiancé kind of really encouraged me to do that, and I really didn't want to do it because I had so much stuff to do last week, which now was doubled this week. But So clearly I, your family doesn't listen to the podcast. They do, but I, I was just getting to the point of saying that, well, when I called and told them I was coming, they said, oh, we didn't expect to see you until next summer. So they were even amazed that I was making the the trip. But uh, it was actually a not, nice drive. It was fun. It was good to see everybody. Um, while I drove in rain on the way up and I drove in rain on the way back while I was visiting, there was no rain. And, um, you know, got to see grandmother and she she was doing well and. You know, it's sad to say, but there's probably not too many more times I'll get a visit her. Um, you know, my parents aren't that old, but, you you know, you never know. So you just take the opportunity and, you know, go visit. And that's something I swore I would do. And here I am writing my own schedule for the last virtually 12 months. And I couldn't make time to travel. And I really kicking myself for it. So. Listeners, if you don't hear me talking about a trip to uh, visit my family, say in the spring, bug me about it. You know, I've I've really got to learn to uh, take some time for myself somewhere as opposed to striving to work. But, well, let's let's not get on that topic, John. <laughs> well, okay, let's go on. Um, <laughs> we had our, our last recording. We did. We talked a lot about the uh, new Ford Mach E. Whether it's going to be, you mean the showy? Yeah, exactly the showy. I I really like that, and you know they don't make a Fusion Sport anymore. They don't make a Taurus SHO anymore. Hello, they don't make a Taurus anymore. So I really like the the showy. Maybe Ford's listening, and Ford's going to get that taken care of for us. But all of a sudden, discussion and the internet just stopped talking about the Mustang literally overnight. You know if. Will's theory that uh, Ford dropped the uh, Mustang Mach-E to take some of the thunder out of the Corvette. And Corvette, I guess, debuted a Roadster here. Um, That little guy that builds rocket ships came out, you know, kind of stole the news for a good solid week and probably would have kept going if we didn't have the uh, interruption for Turkey and the Alabama loss. So it, um, uh, Derek's kind of frozen, so I don't know if he's still with us or not. So I'll kind of babble a little bit, but oh, I'm just sitting really still, John. Oh, okay. Yeah. I, uh, yeah. Sorry. I, I, I have a, I, I have a talent in just sitting very still with a stern face. Um, I was waiting for you to actually get to the point that, you know, Tesla unveiled an all-electric truck that looks like something we all drew in about third grade. Um, but, well, you know, after... I What I found interesting, John, is that... And, and I think this conversation is going to go like 500 different directions because things are popping into my head that weren't in the pre-show. But... The first thing is everybody's talking about this this styling of the truck, and I found it interesting that after a few days, an article came out about the vehicle that somewhat inspired 
Elon and the the team at Tesla to design that truck that way. And it's it's a vehicle that, or at least a brand of vehicle that is near and dear to John and uh, that I've had some experience with. Yeah, and see, when, without even mentioning it, when he debuted the truck and he talked about the stainless skin and people started instantly jump to DeLorean, and I go, well, okay. And then it came out that he was inspired by the um, James Bond Lotus Esprit that he he purchased for a million dollars. That wanted to, he wanted to make into a submarine, and really learned that even with a billion dollars in the bank, that wasn't a feasible idea. So he just has it on display, I guess, in Tesla or one of his office buildings. And you know, it gave a little bit of that angularness, but I don't know if the truck quite fits that. But what I always point out about the DeLorean, the DeLorean is really a Lotus Esprit with stainless steel skin glued to it. So even though it, it just kind of became this incestuous run, you know, we've got this pickup, we got this DeLorean, we've got this Esprit, all of it kind of mixed a little bit. I was told he uh, chose to use uh, the stainless skin because it's the same stainless he utilizes on his rocket ships which might explain the angular nature of the truck because stainless isn't a very formable metal. <laughs> you know, you can do a little bit with it, but getting it really, I think, to do compound curves and that is difficult. I did find it an interesting choice, and maybe you can enlighten me a little bit, Derek. Stainless isn't exactly the lightest material in the world, and I thought this whole idea with electric was to make the car as light as possible to extend the battery life. And I kind of got puzzled. That's a, I, it, I, it's a, yeah, it's puzzling. Um, I, I kind of thought the same thing. And, but I mean, there are, you see, and that I guess the question would probably start out with, you know, which alloy of stainless steel is he using? Because, of course, there's a few different alloys out there that, uh, you know, and, and some people say, you know, oh, stainless steel is, you know, everybody knows. But uh, just drew a blank again. Uh, I'm evidently blanking it's tonight, John. It's a good uh, thing because you kind of stainless broke, broke. steel. Well, a lot of. Oh, okay. Well, stainless steel, as everyone, you know, tends to think with your stainless steel refrigerators, so on and so forth. Yeah, you know, they're not they're not magnetic. Yet there are alloys of stainless steel that can be magnetic just because of the different alloy levels that are used, so on and so forth. So I guess one of my questions would be which alloy is it? What is the yeah, you know, what is the weight of that? Um if it's the one he's using on his you know rocket ships there with SpaceX and all that, it may be a fairly lightweight. And of course it depends on how thin the skin is as as to what it weighs. Um, but well, it's bulletproof. Yeah, it's not rockproof, but it's bulletproof. <laughs> <laughs> well, I want to talk about the glass, but I don't know if I want to bring that up quite yet. I don't know if we're we're ready for for that uh, discussion. Well, we're we're reviewing this car virtually. Well, we're recording on Thursday instead of Wednesday, uh, December fifth. So we're literally discussing this car two weeks after it's been out. Every other podcast, every TV show, every YouTube channel's had a chance to bash on this truck. So we've heard everybody's opinion on it. 
And before I guess we really get into it, personally, Derek, what do you think of the truck? Would you own Uh-oh. it? Would you drive it? Um, do you not want to answer? I I don't know. I oh, when it first when I first saw it, I kind of thought you know the, what I said earlier, which is what in the world is that? It it looks like something I drew as a kid. But then the more I looked at it and the more I looked at some of the features of it with the, you know, the bed that has the kind of configurable tailgate cover ramp system thing that goes on um, and all that, it was kind of like, well, there's some really cool features to the truck. And actually, as you look at it from more than just a side profile, you know, kind of a side on shot and you look at the truck from say a three quarter view, it has a very futuristic kind of cool appearance. And I started to think, well, you know, it's, it's not that bad looking. Uh, so, you know, depending on uh, kind of, what comes out about production about it and costs and, and all that. It might be something I, I think about in the future. Well, you need to think about it now and get your $100 deposit down because he has what now, 100,000 orders for this thing? or Well, so I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say something here, and, and I'm not going to mention names, but I have, I have a friend, and John, you're going to know, I have a friend who is an avid listener of our show and uh, has been so from from very early on in the show so that should tell you who it is john and uh i i believe i saw uh, on facebook that he has already put in uh his deposit for the truck yeah i have at least five acquaintances that have put a deposit in on the truck um, frankly, I know I'm not going to want to pay for it when it comes out, so I didn't bother putting the $100. And I think I've mentioned on the podcast before, and a lot of people have that theory of Tesla, that this might become the e- Elio, because I've said that Tesla funds their current project with their next project. But at this point, I'm kind of lost, because we're still building the Model 3, but we've taken deposits and orders on the Roadster, the Semi, and now the pickup. So when we finally get around to building the Roadster, what's going to pay for the Roadster, you know, if the pickup's still paying for or potentially still paying for the Model 3? Because at 100 bucks a pop and 100,000 orders, it's still, you know, is that $10 million right off? Um it's still a little bit of change. I mean, that's probably a, a day or two of Tesla operating budget. So it's just a little bit more money in the coffers. And is he, you know, is he still funding the Model 3? Yes, Tesla made a profit for the first time this year. But that's after taking into account all the deposits they have on everything else. So it's really not a profit on automobile sales. So there's my my little bit of a concern about placing an order. Now, I'll ask myself the same question that I asked you, Derek. And yes, I like the truck. Um, 
very unique, very, I can't say stylish, but it stands out and it's different. There's a lot of practicality to it. But um, being the kit car person I am, I don't know, are you familiar with the Brubaker box? No, but actually once you said that, I started thinking about the Bricklin. Well, <laughs> well, the Brubaker box is this little van that went on a Volkswagen Beetle chassis. I think there's 13 or 14 known to exist. And uh, the gentleman that built that also built a prototype pickup truck based on his Brubaker box. If you look that up, and I'll see if I can find the link and put it on social media. He designed this almost the exact same truck 40 years ago with the same fold-out tailgate that becomes a ramp, with the same type of bed cover, you know, with the same very wedge-style nose, which also the Brubaker box has. And some of the kit car people are going, wait a second, did... Uh, you know, Elon pick up a copy of Kit Car Magazine 1976 and see this thing? You, you know, you kind of never know. But I do like the truck. Would I own one? Probably not until it had been on the market a year or two and proved a little bit of its durability and an accessory market built for it. Um, I would have to see it to see the functionality of the bed with the bed cover you know, everybody forgets that he also introduced an electric, um, what do you call it, which I'm sure he's going to sell and take deposits on to help maybe fund another car, the little uh, ATV thing that fits into the bed of the truck all nice and neat. But, oh, yeah. Yep. Know, people forgot about that. But, you know, I'm sure if you uh, send him 100 bucks, he'll take a deposit on it. Uh, so would I own one? Probably not. Do I think it's... Ugly? Well, I've defended the um, Aztec on this show. I've defended <laughs> the PT Cruiser. I've defended the Rampage. Um, so I think the listeners know I'm into those little eccentric-styled vehicles. So I, I like the styling. The challenge I see with the styling is, um, uh, Spike Ferriston pointed out, there's laws You've heard of these things, right, Derek, that dictate the shape of a car. And there's no way, no way on this green earth, round or flat, no matter what it is, that that, that front nose of that truck meets pedestrian crash standards. Um, I mean, it's a, it looks like it comes to a razor-sharp point. It's not going to gently brush a person off. It's going to slice them in half. You're going to have a torso go over the top and the body go under the truck. Um, so I can't, I can't believe that would actually be the final production version of the truck. But we had the discussion. They're taking orders on it. You know, when we were talking about the Mach-E, and well, let's change the name to the show-E. Um, and you said, well, Ford's taking deposits on, on this. I doubt if they change the name. Well, we're in a situation now. Tesla's taking deposits on the truck, but they might change the shape of it. Um, what do you think on that topic? Yeah, but that's, I think that's different than changing the name of something because just changing the, the look of something 
that, as you say, that can be dictated by, you know, federal safety standards, all those things. The name of something, you know, if, if people, if you're putting a deposit in on something, a lot of those people, like we talked about you know, two weeks ago, a lot of those people are probably putting that money in because of the the name recognition, the brand recognition of that. You know, just the fact that the Tesla Cybertruck might name, change its the Cybertruck name, it's still a Tesla. It's still, you know, but whereas if they change the, you know, Ford Mustang Mach-E to something other than Mustang, then you've lost that brand recognition. So I think, I think that's a little different, um, you know, kind of scenario there if Tesla was to change the shape of it. However, if you actually look at the pictures, John, it actually does have a more flat front. It doesn't come to an absolute perfect point um, on that front edge. So, you know, it it may actually meet some of the standards. I mean, it's just a little more boxy version of, in my opinion, what the Tesla front end currently looks like on some of the cars. Uh, and I'm thinking back to um, oh oh no 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 I want to I want to oh. jump in here because you said something earlier I forgot I wanted to say something about but you kept going on one of your rants. Uh, <laughs> Please, you, you talked about you, you talked about the styling of the truck and you said it wasn't stylish. And but what I have to say is that isn't this actually more stylish than some of the trucks that are out there because. How many times, honestly here, how many times have you seen a truck, thought it was one truck, and it turned out to be a different brand truck than you did? So many trucks anymore are starting to look exactly the same. And that's one of the problems I have with some of the newer, you know, the the newer, you know, let's say 2020, what 2020 Ford and 2020 GM Chevy trucks <clears throat> they're starting to have the same body lines and they're starting to look so similar that it's, it's sometimes hard to tell them apart from a distance. Okay. I'm not saying when you're standing right next to them because it shouldn't be that hard when you're next to them, but this is a truck that is styled so drastically different from other trucks that it actually, in my opinion, becomes stylish because it doesn't look like every other truck on the road. Now, if we would have recorded last night, I might disagree with you and say, hey, I think trucks still have individual styling characteristics and are different and are easily identifiable. But I was buzzing down the road today on some two-lane back road of Alabama, and I was coming up on a truck and go, oh, you know, it looks like, you know, it's a Chevy. And when I caught up to it, it, it was a Dodge. <laughs> so, yeah, I guess from a distance that way. And then I get, you know, I do find it interesting, you know, in 2017 when Ford redesigned their pickup and they came with that stupid, to me, in this, and I like Ford pickups. I've got a stupid little notch that goes into the headlights. And over the years, Ford softened it in the 18s, 19s, and 20s, kind of have a big square that fits into the headlights or grill bars on the lariats and that. And I think they've done a nice job of in, kind of improving that. But all of a sudden, the new Chevy has the little 
instead of coming from the grill into the headlights, it has the fender wrapping around to the front into the headlights. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. Uh, you know, okay, why do we want that? You know, to me on Ford, it makes a little bit of sense. Uh, it's not as bad because it's the grill. But on the Chevy, it's the corner. <laughs> you know, it's wraps around from the side and a fender gets damaged. Is it going to, you know, so I don't know. But I'll give it to you now that, yes, I get trucks have a lot of similarities and are becoming that um, same thing cars are is you can't tell, you know, all cars are this round, bulbaceous, computer generated shape. And as much as I despise the styling of it, the new Toyotas and Lexus are really identifiable. They really stand out. You know, I don't understand. And I was thinking the other day, looking at one of the, you know, a 2019 Camry. Did a Celine S7 give its life or something for this car because of the number of gills and slits? And, <laughs> and you know, why does a Camry need rear vents behind the rear wheel and stuff? I mean, it's cool styling. But then again, it looks a lot like the Nissan. You know, Nissan came out with this two-tone, you know, black roof or black stripe on the uh, C-pillars to separate the roof from the body. And now Honda's incorporated it on the Civics and the Odysseys. And um, Toyota's kind of doing the same thing with some of their stuff. Um, I guess that's the thing is... I guess take a big lump of clay, throw it, and then everybody copies it. <laughs> so, I don't, I don't know there, but you know the the Tesla truck. I, you know, I will give you stands out from the crowd. Um, exactly. You know, the stainless skin again is a concern because it's like a DeLorean. It's tough to paint. The, again, it gets back a little bit to the alloy, but. In the DeLorean world, with the exception of the three American Express gold-plated DeLoreans, DeLoreans are stainless. If you have a painted DeLorean, and I don't care if you have a factory invoice saying it was painted and that's the way it was delivered, and you have some 8mm videotape of you driving to the DeLorean dealership and walking in and buying a red DeLorean right off the showroom floor, the stigma with DeLoreans is it's been wrecked, it's been damaged because you can't metal work and metal finish that stainless panel back and it allows them to put filler in it and paint it. And will that affect the Tesla? And the way trucks get knocked around and beat around and beat up and is that, you know, there's another concern of the stainless skin to me. Not only the weight is what's the repairability of it? Uh, aluminum already adds all these new variables. You know, when Ford went to the aluminum F-150 again in 2017, you know, the the fear was how expensive is this compared to a 2016 steel F-150 uh, for repairs or whatever. Maybe they went in 16. I can't remember what year they switched. But but that that's a good question, John, because what I want to interject is, has Tesla, I haven't seen anything on the truck. Has he put anything out about are the panels like, let's say kind of like a Corvette where, you know, the, the 
fiberglass panels. They're they're a little different than fiberglass now, but um, you know the the panels of especially the C7 Corvette. You can fairly easily, if one of those gets damaged, take that panel off the car and replace it with a brand new panel. So I, I guess my curiosity here is: Are these stainless panels? that are on the Tesla truck, did he actually design it to where they're, you know, basically replaceable panels? So if something does get damaged, you basically take it into the Tesla service um, and they basically unbolt the panel. They got a new panel sitting there. They pop the panel up, bolt it on, and off it goes. And that's the mystery to me because... We don't know, and I haven't seen, you know, everybody's, he's relying a lot on the people discussing and yelling and complaining or defending the styling uh, and a little bit of the functionality. You know, I've seen a little bit, uh, you know, this really isn't going to do what an F-250 does or this really can't keep up with an F-150 or a Silverado or a Ram. There's not a lot of these, to me, harder-hitting questions. Is it stainless steel over an aluminum structure? Is it stainless steel over something? Or is it a stainless steel, you know, panel? Is it a stainless steel roof? And some of that doesn't make sense. You know, we we know that we know the shape of the truck. We know the claimed performance numbers. And do we lose, you know, case, so what if the thing can tow whatever the number is, 18,000 pounds, 15,000 pounds, whatever the number is? That does it on a full battery charge, but what in that battery, when that battery gets down to about 10%, what's the, you know, is it still have the same towing capability and pulling capability and braking capability? Does the fat you know i buy a 300 mile range truck and then i put eight tons behind it and tow it does all of a sudden my 300 mile range become 75 miles you know none of this stuff's being discussed you know tesla model s p100 ludicrous you know in ludicrous mode will go zero to 60 in what two and a half seconds three seconds but it'll only do it like eight times before the battery's dead. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's really fast, but, you know, I don't know if it's really eight times, but it really drains and, and kind of um, bothers the battery. And, you know, Tesla has a little bit of battery management in that they're not giving you, they're kind of monitoring the battery to make sure it doesn't quite go dead as fast. But, the, you know, the new Porsche Taycan, from what I understand, it gives you 100% battery voltage no matter what, when you're in sport mode and you want to accelerate, it's 100% battery mode or battery voltage. And that's why this thing's, you know, absurdly quick, you know, high ones, low twos for zero to 60 times um, for a four-door sedan. But it's electric, and while the power grid might not take it, while, you know, Tesla charging stations I read were backed up you know, six and eight hours over Thanksgiving holiday. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the way everybody seems to want to go. And 
you know, I would have been really upset if I was traveling and I had to wait eight hours to charge my Tesla. You know, and I drove 480 miles or it's 520 miles to go where I'm going. So I have a 300 mile range car. I go to just about 300. I stop and I go to charge so that I can get the rest of the way. And I'm planning on a 10 hour trip at that point or 11 hour trip. And I got to wait another eight hours. And now my 11 hour trip becomes 19 hours. Yeah, I'm going to be a crab, crabby man and most likely a crabby wealthy man if I've got a hundred thousand or a hundred and fifty thousand dollar Tesla that <laughs> I had a wait eight. Well, hours. and you know, I mean, I you know, let's just say an eight and a half hour trip that turned to thirteen plus hours uh, made me a crabby man. So and, I wouldn't want to wait eight hours for my electric car to get charged. And the advantage you had is that additional five hours, you were at least still driving. Could you see well pulling a couple of those a little while I was in park sitting on the uh, expressway in a parking lot of cars, but I guess that gives you the same feeling I was going after. You pull into the charging station, going, "Oh, well, you know, we'll get to the charging station. Fifty minutes, we'll be on our way." And you pull in, and I don't know, are there vending machines there or something where you can go buy a candy bar or? Go to the restroom, or you know, I've never been to a I would Tesla, hope so. Tesla supercharge supercharger before, and um, maybe I'll find out if that ELR comes our way. But um, okay, well, I want to I want to talk about the the actual unveiling of the truck and the things that happened. You know, we mentioned the glass earlier, but what I what I picked up on, or what I noticed, and of course. You've got to realize that Elon, I would call him a showman. You know, he likes the show side of things, especially when he's unveiling a, uh, you know, a, a vehicle or, you know, any of his rockets. He likes to really, really make a, a show of it. But I almost picked up and, and you know, I, I mean, we all know Elon listens every week, right? I mean, come on. Um I would love to ask him, I would love to know if he intentionally actually did a few of the things he did because it tied into automotive history so well. Um, You know, uh, Franz von Holzhausen, or however you say his chief of design's name, I think that's what it is. Um, You know, he was using a sledgehammer to hit the, the door of the truck stainless steel to show how strong it was and all that. I mean, my mind immediately went back to Henry Ford swinging a sledgehammer, hitting the soybean plastic panels on the Fords uh, back when he was experimenting with soybean plastics. I mean, it was, it was just so reminiscent of it. And then you're breaking up uh, again. Oh, come on. Are you serious? Why isn't your recording better, John? I think it's uh, one of our internet connections. I think it's Will. I think it's his fault. Probably. Uh, so anyway, I don't know I don't know where you lost me or where I started breaking up. But You were talking about heard... Henry Ford and soybean panels. Yeah, well, Henry Ford swinging the sledgehammer and, and showing that the soybean plastic panels were strong and durable. Uh, and then the other thing, and it's as I was saying, it's probably a, a bit of a sarcastic, uh, you know, comment on my part. 
but part of me, although Elon's reaction didn't suggest it, uh, wondered if the uh, breaking of the glass windows was actually intentional. Uh, looking back to, was it, uh, I want to say it was Bob Lutz back in 1992 that drove the brand new Jeep uh, Cherokee, was it, through the glass window of Cobo Hall uh, when they unveiled the Jeep and shattered some glass? I don't know, just, yeah. Was that was that an attempt at a, you know, little nod to history? Well, that would be an interesting question, and it, it's one that I almost want to know the answer to, because if it was just circumstance, okay, it's circumstance. But if it actually is that nod to history, that bumps Elon a little bit up on my um, scale. I can't think of what scale I want to use, but it bumps him up a little bit because I, I've and I think you're the same way, Derek. I always respect people that pay attention to history and hint at it in subtle ways. It also proves that if he's aware of what Henry Ford did, and he he might be making the contrast that he's kind of a Henry Ford in reinventing the automobile. Or you know, he you know, Henry Ford popularized the automobile. Elon has popularized electric cars. The car existed before Henry Ford. The car didn't exist in everybody's hands before Henry Ford. The electric car existed before Elon. The electric car didn't exist in everybody's hands until Elon. So maybe it is that history. And I guess that that makes me like the man a little bit more. You know, I I have a lot of positive things to say about him, but I, you know, I still believe in the pyramids uh, business plan, too, of Tesla that a lot of people report on. And whether or not it's true or not, I don't know. But, you know, I always like to I, I f talk about it, but I don't know. But that that's an interesting observation that you made there, the, the couple little things in history and what it almost I want to say wants to make me do, but it's just a thought in my head and I'll never do it, is to go back and look at some of his previous product launches and see if they tie into other slight automotive history. But, you know, to even tie it back to Lutz and Co Cobol Hall, uh, it's, you know, it's an interesting, you know, contrast because it gets people talking. Um, well, and I think that would be, you know, if it was a, a nod to that in in some way, which highly unlikely based on his reaction, but you know that that unveiling uh, is is often credited in in more recent automotive history as really changing the way cars were unveiled at auto shows. It, it had a big impact, uh, pun intended and maybe not intended. I'm not sure. Um, yeah, but it, it it had a big change on the way automotive the automotive industry thought about and the companies thought about how they unveiled their cars because it was such a dramatic entrance. Uh, you know, and, and it would just be interesting if it truly was a nod to history. Elon, will you uh, shoot us an email, nodrivinggloves at gmail.com, and answer that question or tweet us out? 
Uh, we are on Twitter, uh, but I can't remember our Twitter handle. That's really funny. Oh, uh, great. great. Um, no driving gloves something. I don't know. Um, no, I don't. Know. At no driving gloves? I don't know. Let's see here. I'll push the little Twitter button here on my phone, and I'll see if Twitter wants to tell me what my name is. Uh, do I push that? What do I push? Where's my profile button? That's me. need to get your social media expert in there. Yeah, this isn't looking really good, but uh, let's see here. It's got for our listeners. Yeah, little notes. John does not. (laughs) John does not. John, how Twitter works. John does not social media. (laughs) No, no driving gloves. Space pod. That's who we are on uh, Twitter. It's a little bit different than the normal no driving gloves, but no driving gloves. Space pod. And not not the word space, just yeah, the, yeah. The, we're we're the not that big 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 to Elon that we're, we're a space pod. Yeah, we haven't moved to space pods yet. We're still on cars. So, uh, we've talked about space a little bit, but I don't know. It's just, you know, we didn't know how long we were going to go, and now we've talked uh, forty five minutes about uh, the Tesla truck, and I don't think we've really rehashed anything people have said um you know i think some of our thoughts have been a little bit different um we'll see what happens what is it late 2021 for the initial deliveries and the big four-wheel drive or three motor super fast trucks 2022 so that's i believe so so I guess we'll start seeing these things in 2023 and 2024, but, um, you know, it'll be a neat follow-up to the uh, semi. But I think I'm going to leave it there, and I don't know, you know, we briefly talked before the show, maybe we touched something on the uh, L.A. Auto Show. Didn't see anything really exciting out of there. There were a couple of interesting things. I don't know what Derek felt, but... You know, he's got to be positive that the new Stingray convertible debuted there. Looked beautiful, didn't it? I'm always uh, partial to convertibles, at least when I live north of Tennessee. (laughs) Convertible in Alabama didn't make sense when I had a couple of them. But north of Tennessee, convertibles make sense. But I'm going to say with that... Unless you want to go on to something else, Derek, let's call it a show and uh, maybe we'll get Will back next week and hopefully we can um, bring some of the Saudi Arabia car show auto auction to the news. Because unless you've seen something I haven't, there's been hardly any mentions of it out there and it was supposed to be a huge event. You know, Will's got some news about it and some back backstories and some interesting stuff, but when we get Will here, we'll go ahead and hash out that event to the best that we can, since nobody seems to want to talk about it, even though everybody was there. Maybe it's like Vegas. What happens in Saudi stays in Saudi. I think that might be the case. Well, with that, I'm out of here. I think I only have one thing left to say, John. Zamboni. I was wondering if you were going to remember. (laughs) Till next week. Later.